Well, good morning. <laughs> Had to get that in there for a while. Hey, you know, we were, we're starting this series, and we've been talking about the seven keys to enduring hostility. And we're, so we're back in 1 Peter. And how do we deal with our hostile environment in which we live? How do we deal with trials? How do we deal with problems? And so we've been going through that, and I got to experience a little bit of that this weekend. I mean, we, we, we had a lot of fun. The parking lot party was a blast. It was so much a blast that I, I got to go to the ER. It was great, you know. So <laughs> it wasn't me, but my, my son decided to uh, run into the wall. So uh, he was having a little too much of a blast. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we had fun, and we got sick. And then we went, uh, people have been asking me, is it hard to get up in front of a large crowd and preach? And you know, standing behind God's word is not that difficult. But let me tell you, going and speaking to a bunch of youth group kids at midnight and having to try to explain their relationship with the Lord and, and give them the gospel, that is a different trial altogether. You know, you have to try to keep them awake and help them understand at midnight. I don't know. That's usually when stupid time comes out, right? And <laughs> everything that's funny that uh, we would never laugh at during the day, it seems funnier at midnight, right? So that actually worked in my favor. So I was able to get them to laugh a few times. Well... We want to talk about First Peter, and we want to talk about what is God, how does God help us through his word to understand what, what do we do with our trials? How do we explain trials to people? And all of us, if we're honest, we've been taking that honesty check. If we're all honest, we're all dealing with something. But we can all deal with it either from different points and perspectives. We can deal with it from the perspective of Christ and God's word, or we can deal with it from the perspective of, of the world and our emotions. So how do we deal with all these things, and what does God talk about that? As we looked the last few weeks, we've looked at uh, the keys to enduring hostility. The first one in verses 3 through 5 to remember we are preserved by God's power. Everything that God has done for us is through his power, by his power, and our inheritance. We need to remember just because we're struggling now, it doesn't change what God has done for us. It doesn't change what we get in the end, what we have through Christ, just because we're experiencing different things now doesn't change the end. That is, that is a great reminder for us always to remember. The second thing is to remember there is proven joy through our trials. That sometimes the trials, we don't understand them, but they produce joy in our life through Christ. And the important thing is to remember it begins in our focus of our relationship with Christ. The more we focus on our relationship with Christ, the more joy that is proven in and through our trials. So that leads to this morning, and that is our salvation. We need to remember our salvation was predicted. And you say, well, wait a minute. 
How does something that was predicted help us in our trial? How is that a key to why we experience the things we experience? And we'll look at that. And this is something interesting. As we read the verses this morning, I want you to notice something. None of the verses we read actually have a command. The other verses, there was an imperative to remember these things. But I want you to understand this morning, we see something that is a little bit different. And as we remember what our salvation was predicted, we're going to see how that affects us in how we live our life today in the trials that we have. So would you pray and ask the Holy Spirit, ask God, His Spirit, to teach us today as we prepare to read His Word this morning. Lord, it is with, with trembling hands, it's with trembling hearts that we come to You wanting to have answers for the things that we face in our day. Recognizing, Lord, that we are just sinful, fleshly creatures. You're your creation that struggles in the life that we have. Things are hard at times. We recognize that. But Lord, we desperately want to know your truth. Lord, use the words that we read, your holy word, to speak truth into our life. Lord, may it not be my truth. May it not be the truth of others' opinions. May it not be tainted by this world but Lord, may we allow the Holy Spirit to guide and lead us this morning in the short time that we have. May we honor and worship you as we proclaim your word as truth. And so, Lord, I just I pray for our church. Lord, we live in hostile times in an environment that, Lord, distracts us from the glory of who you are and what you have done and what you will do even now, as we face hostile times. Lord, I pray that your blessing and that your joy and that your peace will come through our discussion of your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First Peter, in, in chapter 1, we want to look at verses 10 through 12. It says, concerning this salvation, the salvation that Jesus paid for you, the salvation from our sins, Right? We were saved from the, the, our, all of our bad things. Everything in our life, who we are. There is none righteous, no, not one. We're all evil in the sight of God. There, there's nothing good that we could do that would change that. So God sent the ultimate good. He sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins so that the cup of wrath, all of God's wrath, would be poured on Him instead of us. That's what we were saved from. So that way we would no longer be enemies of God, but be friends and adopted into his family with God. That's our salvation. And he says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the suffering of Christ and the um, subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who have preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long 
to look. This is interesting. As we go through life, how many of you would say that our past defines us? That's a tricky question. As we look at this, we see this whole thing concerning our salvation that he brings up, Peter brings up to the church who is suffering, who is persecuted, who is going through immense trials. He says, now wait a minute, this salvation that you have, remember all the prophecies. Remember all the things that were said. Remember they longed to know about it. And now it's been given to you. And then even the angels appeared. It says that they longed to look. That means that they were peering down, looking over the edge, trying to see what was this salvation that Christ was going to bring. It was, so in other words, it was special. And as we think about that, I want us to take a look and think about our past. Because Peter is telling the church, hey, remember the things of the past. But he's, he pinpointed it on one thing. On the glory of Christ. On the grace that would come. On the salvation that was going to be brought. And I want you to think about this. In your past, is, it our, is our past the defining moment that dictates your present is it your past that is the defining moment or that is your def definition of whatever you're going through in your present? Where is your past in the order of things in your life? Is your past really the foundation of your life? And it's a tricky question. Because a lot of times when we're going through trials, our past has a way of creeping up, doesn't it? Or our past is the source, we think, of many of our trials. And sometimes our past becomes a focal point in our life. And I want you to remember that because that's important when we get to the conclusion of what is going on in these verses. And so quickly we see these things. The prophet predicted the coming of Christ. They searched, they longed, and they predicted. So that's what's going on in these verses. Peter's telling him, remember the prophets predicted. He's saying, look, go back to the past and remember what all they said. Which is interesting. If you turn to Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, you guys know that Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. It's all about the faith that all of these men had. They trusted God for what was going to come in the future. And by the way, they never, they trusted in something that they never got to see. I want you to think about that. In verse 6, it says, And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The prophets predicted the coming of Christ, but they did it through diligent study and seeking and longing for the things that pertained to Christ. But they did it not understanding or a getting to experience the full understanding of the salvation of Christ. I want you to think about that. Not only that, but in this passage, we also see that the apostles and, and the early church preached Christ to everyone. So everything that was predicted by the prophets then was given to the apostles. The apostles then took that message of Christ and preached it to everyone. 
That's interesting. So look at this. They're preaching. Their focus, their, all their focus, if you look at all the apostles through Scripture, was this. They believed the Word of God that was prophesied in the Old Testament. They preached the gospel of God, the good news that what Jesus had done on their behalf. And they did it in the power of God. Did you see this? They believed the word of God. They had faith. They preached the word of God. They told other people about the gospel. And they actually did it through the power of God. Do you see this formula? By the way, this is still true today. This is the winning formula for bringing glory and honor to God and, and being a part of a growing, thriving church. That's kind of an interesting. At the very end, did you see in, in, in verse 12, it says that the angels even long to look. So here we have the things that we discussed, plus the angels long to understand the salvation that Christ brings. Well, why would they long to understand that? Think about this. There are no saved angels. Salvation was fully for us. Only humans can be saved. Only mankind can be redeemed. We alone, of all the creatures in the universe, can experience the wonders of God's saving grace. And the angels didn't understand that. And they're longing and they're saying, this is amazing. What is God going to do? So here's Peter's message here. Made plain. Listen to this. God loves you so much that the angels were amazed. Think about that. God loved you so much, his salvation for you, that it amazed and astonished the angels. Ephesians 3, 8 through 10, Paul said these words. He says, To me, the very least of all the saints, the grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. He's talking about the wonders and glories and the amazement of what God has done. And to bring it to light, what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden by God, who created all things in order that the manifold wisdom of God, right now being made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. He revealed all these mysteries that the angels didn't understand, but he did it for us. I don't know about you, but that should cause you to think about the salvation that God has given you. The other last thing that we see here is that we know now what the prophets never knew, and we experience what the angels wish they knew. The key word there is experience. We know now what the prophets never knew, and we experience what the angels wish they knew. Say, well, Pastor, how does this help us in trials? How does this past, remember the past? How does this past reflect now in our trials? Here it is. What past, emphasis what, what past is dictating your future? That answer to that question actually helps to you to understand how you will get through your trials. Paul or Peter here is reminding the church, hey, 
you remember all those things that said would come true in Christ. They've come true and now you are experiencing it. Are everything that you're dealing with in your life, is it resting on that past? Or is it resting on the circumstances of your life right now? Hey, by the way, don't forget that everything that God has said has come true and will come true. So much so that it amazed the angels. Look at Luke 24, and uh, chapter 24, 25 and 26. And so think about this. Are you so focused on your past or on your present circumstance that you totally miss your present and future blessings? Let me repeat that. Are you so focused on your past, on what has happened to you, and your present circumstances, what is now happening to you, that you totally miss your present and future blessings that Christ has won for you? Luke 24, 25 through 26, Jesus said exactly that when he, he was speaking to two disciples that were walking on the road to Emmaus, they had just seen Christ crucified. They don't know what's going on. Christ has disappeared, and they're in total amazement, total wonder. They are so focused on the circumstances that, listen to this, on the road to Emmaus, how foolish you are, Jesus said, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into glory? He's saying, look, are you so focused on your circumstances that you've totally missed what God said would happen? Has it not happened? I want you to think about that. Let that sink in. We know that we're going to experience suffering. We know that we're not living in a perfect world. We know that there is sin. But we have Christ. Do you recognize, it says, do you recognize our privilege? Do you see how privileged we are in this statement that Peter gives the church? We are so privileged. The Old Testament prophets didn't have the whole picture. Let me, re, let me give it to you this way. Even though they had a lot of the pieces of the puzzle, God, God gave them pieces of the puzzle. God gave them things to tell everybody, this is coming. But they didn't have the whole picture. We now, right now, as a body of Christ, as a church, as those who have been saved, that God has saved we have more of the pieces and more of them placed into their proper position. We have the whole outline. Have you ever tried to do a puzzle where all the outline of the outside is missing? Right? Let me ask you a question. Is it easier to put a puzzle together when all the pieces are present? <laughs> well, duh! That's what Peter's telling the church. We have all the pieces. You remember everything that was said? that all of them longed and searched and were waiting for, and the angels were so amazed, we have all of that present, given to us. That's been preached to us, was given to us through the apostles. It's now given to us in God's word, and it's given to us through the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament prophets, they did not understand much of what they predicted. I can imagine Isaiah writing. Imagine this. 
writing, A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And asking the Lord. Now what does this mean, Lord? Can you imagine what was going through Isaiah's mind when God told him to preach that? To write that down? And and can you imagine what the Lord would say back? Hey, don't worry about it. You wouldn't believe me if I told you. Right? How many times do we not understand the Lord? And and, and just think about it. Even if the Lord explained it down to the nth degree, you know, and explained it all to us, how much of it would we truly understand? Well, how about Ezekiel and Daniel and Malachi and Haggai and all the rest of them? Imagine that 25 of these prophets are trying to put together a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle, but no one has all the pieces and no one has the picture in front of them on a box. Can you imagine all those prophets trying to put it all together? But we have the completed picture in Christ. Do you recognize the immensity of the privilege we now have because we have the gospel? We can see things more clearly. And because of that, we can be even more thankful we, can, we, we know that what we have is sure. We know about the inheritance that we have in Christ. Let me ask you a question. Are you diligently seeking the things of God? That's what the prophets did. How could the prophets believe and trust and have so much faith when they didn't have the completed picture? And it's because they diligently sought after God. Look at verse 12 again. Look at verse 12 in our text. It says, It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. Let me ask you a question. The Old Old Testament is so important, guys. We cannot throw out the Old Testament. The Old Testament was there to serve us, to point us to Christ, to show us who Christ was. You cannot get through the first five books of the Bible without seeing the complete understanding of who Christ is. New challenge for you. Read through Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers with a new perspective. It's all about Christ. I I did that for the first time about three years ago when I taught... Christology, when I taught who Christ is, but I did it from Exodus, Numbers, and Leviticus. It was a completely eye-opening study. Listen to Acts 2.25. It says, For David says to him, take that into account. David is talking to Christ. For David says to Christ, I, I was always beholding the Lord in my presence, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. That's Acts 2.25. David knew Christ. He knew of the coming Christ. He knew who Christ was. Remember the verses we read during communion? Psalm 16, 8-11. He says, I have set the Lord continually before me because He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. 
Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell in security. He's talking from an emotional and physical standpoint. For you will not abandon my soul. Neither will you allow your Holy One to see the pit. He's talking about hell. Who's the Holy One? It's Christ. The Old Testament prophets sought diligently for to, and to understand the things of Christ, even though they didn't have the complete, the complete picture. Here's the thing. That when we look at the gospel and our salvation that was predicted, that should bring great encouragement because the foundation of our lives is our salvation in Jesus. Listen to the words of Paul in Philippians 3. Not that I have already attained this or already am perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Why is he agonizing, pressing on? It's because of Christ to, to, to make that relationship his own because Christ has saved him. Brothers, verse 13, I do not consider that I have already made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and I strain forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize and the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. You know, it's amazing. There's no command in these three verses. But do you realize that the past that was predicted and the past that was preached to us and the past that was lived out on the cross that was given for us is the single most important thing for you in any circumstance of your life. So then that way when you can't walk, Christ is walking for you. When you can't speak to what's going on in your life, Christ has spoken for you. When you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit is intervening on your behalf to bring that before Christ so that way He can proclaim it to our Father who is in heaven who is watching over you. So this morning I want to ask, where is your launching point during your trials in your life. Don't forget all that has been said concerning Christ. Over 300 prophecies that have come true. That's like, can you imagine shooting 300 arrows up in the air and hitting the bullseye every single time? That's never going to happen. It's impossible. A mathematician said you can stack a you can stack a uh, silver dollar all across the state of Texas and it would be three feet high, the probability of that ever coming true. Can you imagine wading through three feet high stack of one dollar coins <laughs> through the state of Texas? We'd never get through it. But that's what God has done. When we're going through trials, don't forget what has been prophesied. Don't forget how special it was, what God has done for you in Christ.
That is our foundation. That is the foundation of our past that matters. Not the past when we fail. The failings don't matter. What matters is who we turn to. Turn to Christ. Land on the safe and secure foundation that you have in Christ, no matter what you're going through. May that be your foundation. Because I guarantee that if you saw Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your understanding, all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Right now you may be, you know, having a hard time walking straight in your life. Something's got you off kilter, emotionally, physically. I understand that. It's hard to live in this hostile world. Sit down on the foundation you have and let God straighten it out for you. Don't run to anything else. Run back to your foundation and find safety and security there. This is the key. This is what Peter was trying to remind them. Look to your past because the foundation that we have for our lives is the salvation that we have in Jesus. And that is the only thing that will help us during our time of trouble. Lord, we thank you so much. I say it all the time, Lord, you know. It is so amazing for me to even imagine what you have done for us and how you have done it over thousands of years. Every single thing that you have said has come true And Lord, this morning, may we look to the foundation that we have in Christ, but more importantly, may we look forward to the future, past our circumstances, and realize that we have a King that is coming. And Lord, may we think about that, that whatever we're going through, no matter how hard it is, Lord, you will return. You are coming, and sooner than we think. Lord, either we will come and meet you, because we will, we will pass from this world and you will bring us into the arms, into your loving arms. Or you will return in the clouds and call us home and we'll be raptured to you. But Lord, either way, you are coming. And Lord, may that be on our mind and may, Lord, we never forget about the future that you hold for us. Lord, and may we tell of that future May we live in that future that you are coming, that you will come not only to relieve us from the restraints that we have in this world and to be into your loving arms, but that, Lord, that we will live like every single day is our last, getting ready to meet you face to face, shedding the sin of our life and telling others of your greatness. Lord, I pray that we would turn to you no matter what the trouble is and that we would trust you as our sole foundation in our life. Lord, we just thank you for your message this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.